Welcome to the MacArthur Memorial Podcast. Located in Norfolk, Virginia, the MacArthur Memorial is a museum and research center dedicated to the life and legacy of General of the Army Douglas MacArthur. The memorial is also dedicated to preserving and presenting the story of the millions of men and women who served with General MacArthur. Each month, the staff of the memorial will use this podcast to explore topics relating to General MacArthur and his times. He is professionally competent and militarily aggressive without being reckless or foolhardy. He has that rare combination of intellectual capacity and military audacity. He possesses superb leadership qualities, which have earned him a tremendous following of his men. These are the words of Admiral Chester Nimitz describing Admiral William F. Halsey. Prominently active in the Pacific Theater during World War II, Admiral Halsey gained the reputation of being a fighting admiral and a risk-taker. Ironically, Halsey, who was at times brash and rugged, was also known for his charm and compassion. He was fairly popular with the average sailor, and he even gained the unwavering respect and friendship of General Douglas MacArthur, a feat in itself considering MacArthur's general disdain for the Navy. In his own words, MacArthur found Halsey to be blunt, outspoken, dynamic, and said that he liked him from the moment he met him. The feeling was mutual, with Halsey stating, I felt as if we were lifelong friends. I have seldom seen a man who makes a quicker, stronger, more favorable impression. Halsey's long naval career was marked by both successes and failures. This podcast will outline his career to the end of World War II. William Frederick Halsey Jr. was born on October 30, 1882, in Elizabeth, New Jersey, to United States Naval Officer William Frederick Halsey Sr. and Ann Masters Brewster. Known as Willie in his youth, Halsey led the life of a typical Navy brat frequently moving due to his father's naval career. Willie was the typical boy of the period, getting into trouble and frequently getting injured, though he was considered a sturdy little fellow. He had great respect for his father, considering him to be stern but just. Young Willie was heavily influenced by his father's illustrious naval career and longed to follow in his footsteps. When he reached the age of 15 in 1897, he set his sights on gaining an appointment to the United States Naval Academy. He wrote to President McKinley and various congressmen in an attempt to garner a coveted spot, but moved around too much growing up to make useful political connections, and thus failed in his initial attempt to gain acceptance into the academy. Some time later, his family, having failed a second time to get an appointment, decided to send him to the University of Virginia's Medical School in autumn of 1899. Now going by the more sophisticated name of Bill, Halsey struggled with the academics of medical school though he flourished in the social realm of college life. He joined the Delta Psi fraternity, played football, and became quite popular amongst his peers. A year later, Congress passed a bill authorizing five additional appointments to the Naval Academy. And on July 7, 1900, William F. Halsey Jr. was sworn in as a cadet at the U.S. Naval Academy, thus beginning his naval career. He did far better academically at the Naval Academy compared to UVA. He passed all of his courses, continued to excel socially, and was recognized as everybody's friend in the yearbook. On February 1, 1904, Halsey graduated from the Academy. The Naval Academy's chief master-at-arms left him with the words, I wish you all the luck in the world, Mr. Halsey, but you'll never be as good a naval officer as your father. While initially discouraging, it is probably safe to conclude that these parting words stuck with Halsey and pushed him to prove the chief wrong. Following graduation, William Halsey went straight into his seagoing career. 
he joined the crew of the battleship Missouri. Then, after a period of assistant coaching at the Naval Academy in 1905, he was detached from the Missouri and reassigned to the Norfolk Navy Yard for service on the gunboat USS Don Juan de Austria. Halsey later joined the USS Kansas and was a member of President Roosevelt's Great White Fleet from 1907 to 1909. Halsey believed this expression of American naval power was, in his own opinion, a success by every standard. After his return to the States, Halsey was ordered to Washington, D.C. He was promoted to the rank of lieutenant, making him one of the few officers at the time to be allowed to skip the over two-year service requirement as a junior grade lieutenant. Following this promotion, he was given command of the torpedo boat DuPont, which was his first command, followed by a command of several other ships within the flotilla. In 1915, Halsey was ordered back to the Naval Academy to serve within the discipline department, a job he was never fully comfortable with. With the American declaration of war in 1917, Halsey, now a lieutenant commander, had orders to proceed to Queenstown, England. Upon his arrival in 1918, he was assigned duty on the destroyer Duncan, where he would serve as an apprentice. In February 1918, Halsey was temporarily promoted to the rank of commander, a rank he would permanently earn in 1921, and given command of the destroyer Benham. It was there that his penchant for leadership began to shine. One officer recalled Halsey's command, saying that he was a perfectly marvelous character. He just exuded good nature, good feeling. Apparently, he never disliked anyone. Hardly five minutes would go by without his breaking into a smile. He was the best ship handler I've ever seen. He would put the destroyer alongside the dock, and honestly, I think he could have put an egg in between the ship and the dock, and it wouldn't have broken. It was beautiful. It was a work of art to see him handle the ship. I remember when he was detached from the destroyer. He'd only been in command a few months. Why, every man on the ship manned the rails, and some of them had tears in their eyes when he left. Overall, though, Halsey's involvement in the war was not terribly significant. According to some of his biographers, he had a sense of regret throughout his life that he basically missed World War I and did not experience combat. That recurring thought filled him with a sense of frustration, second only to the disappointment he was to feel 24 years later from missing the Battle of Midway. Perhaps this feeling of losing out shaped Halsey's decision-making in World War II, where he was criticized for making hasty decisions. He oftentimes expressed regret for missing out on important events, so it is possible that making impulsive decisions was his way of making sure he did not miss important affairs in the future. In the period between World War I and World War II, Halsey's military career continued to evolve. In the 1920s, he served as a naval attaché in the American embassies of several European countries. Upon his return to the States in 1927, he served as the commanding officer of numerous ships. Now a captain, in 1930, Halsey returned to study at the Naval War College in Newport, Rhode Island. In 1934, he was offered command of the aircraft carrier USS Saratoga based off the completion of an Air Observer course. Halsey opted for enrolling as a cadet for the Naval Aviator course and earned his wings in 1935 at the age of 52, the oldest person to do so in the Navy's history. Though he was now commander of a carrier, Halsey knew little about operating one and found himself in the odd situation of having to learn from his officers and men while as their commanding officer being fully responsible for their actions. By learning from and interacting with his subordinates, he formed a deep and genuine camaraderie with his men. Prior to the attack on Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941, 
Halsey, now a vice admiral in the carrier enterprise, Biggie, had been transporting aircraft to reinforce Wake Island, where naval intelligence had anticipated a Japanese attack. Halsey and the Big E had missed the attack on Pearl Harbor itself, but arrived in time to see the aftermath, which led him to exclaim, Before we're through with them, the Japanese language will be spoken only in hell. Rough and gruff, Halsey's language and attitude earned him the nickname Bull in the press, though no one personally called him that except for Douglas MacArthur. Halsey became an American hero early in the war. In 1942, the United States engaged in a counterattack on the Gilbert and Marshall Islands, led by Halsey, where he and his men had brought back to Pearl Harbor America's first victory of the war. In April, Halsey commanded the carrier force that ferried the planes for Doolittle's B-25 attack against Tokyo. He suffered a personal setback, though, when he was forced to miss the Battle of Midway due to a bout of dermatitis. He regarded the time as a sad occasion, as it prevented his taking part in the battle, where he would have been the senior officer present. It was his greatest regret in the whole war. However, things improved once he returned to command. En route to Guadalcanal in 1942, Halsey received an order from Admiral Nimitz, giving him command of the South Pacific Area and the South Pacific Forces. In 1943, General Douglas MacArthur launched Operation Cartwheel, a multi-pronged assault on Japanese forces on numerous islands in the South Pacific. The purpose of this operation was to destroy the defensive barrier the Japanese had created in the Bismarck Archipelago, which was a collection of islands in the Solomon Sea east of New Guinea. These islands were of strategic interest to the Japanese because they believed securing them was vital to the protection of their conquests in the Dutch East Indies and the Philippines. For the Allied forces, control of these various islands, and specifically Rabaul in New Britain, was the key to winning control of the Pacific Theater of Operation, as Rabaul served as the Japanese naval headquarters and main base. Although it took nine months to complete, Operation Cartwheel was an Allied success, as it saw the recapture of more Japanese-controlled territory and further diminished Japanese supremacy in the East. Halsey, who was at the time in command of the South Pacific area, was an essential part of the operation. He was responsible for leading the attack against the Central Solomons, and most specifically the island of New Georgia in June of 1943. There, the goal was to gain control of the island in order to set up a staging area to prepare for the ultimate assault on Rabaul. The landing on New Georgia proved difficult due to a Japanese garrison stationed there, as well as the harsh topography and climate of the tropical island. By August, though, the region was controlled by the Allies. However, the period following the successful assignment proved to be a period of disappointment for Halsey. Perhaps one of the biggest blemishes on his record was the Leyte Gulf incident. The U.S. had engaged in a naval battle against the Japanese, but having mistakenly interpreted the events, Halsey ordered his ships to follow what turned out to be a Japanese decoy north. This left a crucial strait unprotected and allowed the Japanese to pass through and attack the lightly defended Allied amphibious force. Admiral Halsey openly admitted to his mistake, though, and several of his peers maintained the view that he did what he thought was necessary at the time. Halsey's bad luck continued when he led his fleet into what has become known as Halsey's Typhoon. This resulted in Task Force 38 being as badly battered as if it had fought in a major battle. Admiral Halsey's error led to a court of inquiry, in which the majority of the blame was put on the Admiral, although his good friend Nimitz came to his defense stating that Halsey's mistakes were errors of judgment committed under stress of war operations and stemming from a commendable desire to meet military requirements. Admiral King also came to Halsey's defense claiming that his judgment 
was the result of insufficient information. Halsey, always one to own up to his mistakes, saw through to the end of the war and was present for the Japanese surrender aboard the USS Missouri on September 2, 1945, with its good friend MacArthur. Having achieved the rank of Fleet Admiral, William F. Halsey retired in 1947. Admiral William F. Halsey was undeniably one of the most charismatic commanding officers in American naval history. He earned the respect of those around him and created an atmosphere of sincere camaraderie among the crews he commanded. On the other hand, he tended to make rash decisions. It was said that Halsey operated at least partly on hunches. This assumption was evident in both the late takeoff incident as well as in the near destruction of Task Force 38 by the Typhoon Cobra. While Halsey did act off hunches, he also acted based off the intelligence which was presented to him. While his mistakes were costly, they later led to improvements in mother and naval intelligence for commanders. As MacArthur once pointed out, Halsey was a man who possessed great intelligence, great audacity, and superb leadership abilities. His command style, successes, and misfortunes have continued to shape the U.S. Navy and generations of naval leadership. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please feel free to contact Amanda Williams at amanda.williams at norfolk.gov.